Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. As we've worshiped together, as we've witnessed amazing, amazing lives step into the waters of baptism today. God, we've already sensed your nudge. We've already sensed your voice and your presence. And for some of us, it's felt like um, peace that we can't describe. For others in the room, it's already felt like healing. Like there's a lie from our past that we've believed for so long, and you can just feel like the Holy Spirit wanting to bring healing to your life today. But right here, in this moment, we pause just for a few brief words to say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us up once again. In Jesus' name we pray. So we're in Galatians 5, to 26, and here's what it says in the New Living Translation. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Not just any fruit, but this kind. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And I like that statement. What it means is there's no condition, there's no clause that can stop you from bearing this kind of fruit in your life. There's nothing that can restrain you from living your life in a way that just gives credit to who Jesus is at work in the world. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross crucified them there, and since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous. There's Galatians 5, 22 to 26. In the first part of this series, I made this remark that trees don't eat their own fruit. Not once have you walked through an apple orchard and seen an apple tree pull its branch in close to its own trunk, and like, mmm, good apples. Fruit-bearing is for the benefit of others. And even as we talk about love, our first response as selfish, broken people is be like, yeah, I wish I could get a little bit more love. I wish my partner loved me better. I wish my kids showed me some love every now and then. Our first response, if we're honest, right? Joy, oh, God, I could use some more joy. Give me some more joy so that I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Thanks, Bennett, for getting that song stuck in my head all week. Even when it comes to patience, like, I need patience. But we're talking about the Spirit leading your life in a way that you produce these fruits for the benefit of other people. Will you be more loving? Will you be more joyful? Will you be more patient? Will you have more peace? Will you show more kindness. Because the evidence of Jesus making us free isn't so that we just walk through life, you know, everything's good. I'm like, hashtag blessed. Give me all the good things. I'm healthy and wealthy. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That's garbage. Come on, don't believe that garbage. 
The gift of the Spirit within you is this, so you would radiate life and hope to the broken world that you live in, especially at home. It starts at home. Are we going to be more loving at home? Am I going to be more patient at home? Shots fired. You don't amen that. My goodness. Seriously, that was a little loud. Right. The, work, the work of being made free, Jesus took care of that. You don't even have to worry about that. The evidence of being made free, well, that's on you. That's on you living surrendered to the Holy Spirit and being a fruit bearer, okay? So the fruit of the Spirit, I call it the lifestyle of those who are filled with and energized by the Holy Spirit. It's, your, it's meant to be your lifestyle. Kindness isn't something you do. It's who you are. Here's some kindness quotes. It's cool to be kind. Thank you, preschool. Kindness is a gift everyone can afford to give. That'll preach. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. Have you heard these quotes before? Maybe. Here's a good one. Mark Twain. Kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Plato, in all of his infinite wisdom, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a harder battle. Oh, God, that we would see other people before we see ourselves, right? Henry James, uh, famous author, I like this. Three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. The third is to be kind. Well, the Greek word uh, originally used in Galatians 5 for kindness is uh, Christotes. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm learning. And what Christotes means is the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. In other words, kindness. To be kind... And to live out kindness as a follower of Jesus is to be warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic when it's convenient to the people that it's easy to be kind to, to the people you disagree with, Ephesians 2. So God can point us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and Christotes. Here's another use of the same Greek word. God's kindness toward us as shown in all he's done for all who are united with Jesus. So there's a few different words that show up in the Bible as being translated as kindness, but there's a number of occasions where this exact Greek word shows up, Christotes. And here's one where it talks about God's kindness as made evident through Jesus. For God so loved that he sent his son as a sacrifice, as a reconciliation to restore our relationship with the Father and to, to uh, renew us and set us free from the weight of sin. That's a good kindness right there. Here's another use in Titus 3. When God our Savior revealed his Christotes and his love, he saved us 
Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. Here's another use of the same word. Since God chose you, everybody say me. Everybody say us. Since God chose us to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with Christotes, kindness. Put it on, wear it. You know, we were in Vancouver uh, earlier in June, and we were hanging out with our friends, pastors Shane and Rachel Johnston, and, and our pastors, pastors Matt and Sarah Keller, and we just spent some days together. But Nicole and I had a couple of days to just um, fall deeper in love as husband and wife, because that's what you do when you go to a new city and leave your kids behind, right? And uh, so we were riding the SkyTrain, and it was jam-packed full of people. And there was this beautiful uh, older gentleman that got onto the SkyTrain, and he sat down. At the next stop, um, an elderly woman, older than him, got onto the SkyTrain, and he jumped to his feet and let this lady sit in his seat. Isn't that kind? Oh, you missed a good opportunity to be like, aww. And some of you are thinking, Pastor John, why didn't you give her your seat? Don't judge me. I was already standing. You're harsh, seriously. So I watched this transpire, and, and then a few stops later, I'm just like, Nicole's sitting down way over there talking to this other couple, and she's having the time of her life, and I'm crammed in a SkyTrain bumping my head against the pole because, you know, when you're 6'6", this is the burden that you bear. And... Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, all of a sudden, I hear this voice that says, <laughs> I can't use the actual word that was used because uh, it's live, and um, I don't want to go on record as being somebody who like says the F word in public, but um, I hear this voice yelling, would you effing get out of my way? And I'm like, what is going on? And right behind this gentleman who gave up his seat is a, is a young guy who wants to get off, but the, old guy, the, the older gentleman doesn't hear him, that he, he doesn't understand that he's in the way. And so like the helper in me, the Enneagram 2, I'm like, I'm about to step forward and deal with this young punk who's yelling at this kind senior, when all of a sudden this kind senior turns around and unleashes hell on this guy. I was like, oh my goodness. He just like tore a strip out of this guy. And everybody in the train is like. <laughs> and just like screaming and expletives and name calling and threats. And this young guy like scampers off the train, like finally makes it out the door. And I'm like, what just happened? And this old guy steps before me. He's like, that's how you have to deal with people nowadays. I was like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> and he's like, well, if I told you what I used to do for a living, you'd understand. And I'm thinking, there's no excuse for treating human beings the way you just treated that guy. Even though he was being a turkey, you just went next level on this guy. Opened up a can. But as I was preparing, it got me thinking, what's, what's our rep as Jesus followers? What's your reputation at home? in the workplace? Do we have a reputation for showing warm-hearted, considerate, gentle, sympathetic, and humane behavior to others? In other words, are you really free in how you're living out this fruit called kindness? Because remember, the evidence of you 
the evidence of the real you, the made free in Jesus, the evidence of that is that you would bear fruit, that you would show kindness to others, not just as a gesture every now and then of goodwill, but as how you choose to live. The lifestyle of the son or daughter transformed by the power of Jesus, the lifestyle of the believer is that you would bear fruit. Kindness is meant to be the lifestyle. So we think often of kindness as a gesture, which is very different than a kindness as spirit-led lifestyle, spirit-led value. Because a gesture means we have a decision to make. We can, we, oh, I'm being kind, that's a nice outfit. Pat, pat, I'm very kind. Or we think we're being kind when we don't say the mean things we want to say. <laughs> right, just a gesture of kindness. But kindness as a spirit-led value attached to Jesus' kingdom is gonna cost you. Make no mistake, it's gonna cost you. And that's the life of surrender we're invited into. That's the life of sacrifice that Jesus paints his life for us to follow, his example for us to learn from. It's gonna cost you your time and your energy. It's gonna cost you your opinions and your politics. It's gonna cost you your ego and your reputation, it's gonna cost you. So today's big question, do you have a reputation for showing warm-hearted, considerate, gentle, sympathetic, and humane behavior to others? Are you free in how you're living out kindness? And I wanna look at a story in John chapter four, um, the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Jesus at the well. Because we see in his life how he exuded kindness for others. And it's a beautiful story that I just wanna share four quick ideas from and then we can go outside and eat hot dogs. Sound good? All right, so if you're taking notes, um, you can jot these down, these scriptures that I share. If you're not a note taker, I'm fine with you pulling out your smartphone and taking pictures of the screen. Lots of people do that if this is something you wanna lean into. But the first idea is this, kingdom kindness will cost you your time and your energy. In John 4, we read this story. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. It's not a competition, Jesus, settle down. Though Jesus himself actually wasn't baptizing them, his disciples did, so he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Verse four, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and here's what it says. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So here's the story of Jesus. He's been busy doing the Father's work, seeing people's lives transform, performing miracles, wandering, traveling about, preaching, teaching, all this good stuff, people getting baptized. It's, it's amazing, right? Jesus is like, yeah, so good. Takes this walk, he's tired. The Bible actually says he's weary, and he sits down. Jesus, tired and weary, sits down for a drink of water. He's exhausted. Did you know that kingdom kindness will most likely come at an inopportune time? The opportunity for you to bear fruit as a follower of Jesus, to live out this lifestyle, is probably going to cost you your time and your energy. It's probably going to show up as an inconvenience. It's probably going to show up as an interruption. And then we get to choose, will I honor him or will I leave it to somebody else? It's going to cost you your time and your energy. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says this, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. 
That's a high bar. <laughs> I thought we didn't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. You don't. That doesn't mean we can't have a bar to achieve. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we're true ministers of God. We patiently endure trouble and hardship and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten. We've been put in prison. We've been facing angry mobs. We've worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights. We've gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, by our understanding, by our patience by our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, our sincere love. There's a proving that takes place. I'm all in, Jesus. When, when we face a moment that we know, I'm tired, I'm weary. Somebody just make me a snack right now. And yet I'm faced with this situation where somebody requires an encounter with the living God. Somebody's believing for hope. Somebody's expecting some kind of change. Somebody's calling out to heaven God, are you there? And they find you. What you gonna do? It's gonna cost you. I like the message translation of 2 Corinthians 6. People are watching us as we stay at our post. People are watching us as we stay at our post alert, unswervingly, in hard times, in tough times, in bad times, when we're beaten up, Jailed, mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure hearts, clear heads, steady hands. We choose to bear fruit, even when it costs us our time, our energy. Second idea, kingdom kindness will cost you your opinions and your politics. You know, in pre-marriage counseling, I like to say this when I meet with couples who are preparing to get married. I'm like, marriage is sacrifice. Marriage is surrender. And real sacrifice and surrender isn't real sacrifice and real surrender until it costs you something. Until you're faced with a moment where you're like, this is hard. And I choose to sacrifice, right? And in this kindness scenario, we find ourselves in exchanges with people where we differ in our politics or we differ in our opinions and we think that gives us the right to be rude. Has the last two years showed us that when we disagree on politics or disagree on policy or disagree on an opinion, that we can be as mean as we want on social media, be as mean as we want in writing, be as mean as we want face-to-face -face with people. Why? Because I have a right to be right. What if Jesus invites us to a different way of living? I think he does. In John 4, we read that a Samaritan woman soon came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please, give me a drink. Already, Jesus has crossed a cultural threshold. Already, Jesus has crossed a line of politics that other Jewish people would never dare to cross. He's engaged with a Samaritan. That's like Edmontonians being kind to Calgarians. Seriously. Let's go there. Right? Just me? Uh a Samaritan woman comes and Jesus says, please give me a drink. He was all alone at the time because he was tired and weary and his disciples went to get him a snack. I paraphrase. But verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She says to Jesus, you're a Jew. In other words, buddy, what are you doing talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? 
I love that, that a deep conviction from the Holy Spirit to be kind will always take precedent over our right to be right. A deep leading from the Holy Spirit, a nudge, even when we know like, ugh, I know we disagree, I know we don't share politics, I know we don't share opinions, but that nudge from the Holy Spirit should always take precedent over our right to be right. First Thessalonians 5 puts it this way, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always, always try to do good in each other. Always try to do good in each other and in all people. I love this. A kingdom kindness might mean that you die to your right to be right. Maybe it's not about politics. Maybe it's not about your opinion. Maybe it's about bringing the essence of Jesus into somebody's world that you disagree with in a way that just shows up as kindness. Sincere, warm-hearted, depth, gentleness. I see you. I'm willing to die to my opinion right now just to bear fruit of kindness so that you can taste and see how good my God is. Number three, kingdom kindness will cost you your ego and your reputation. And at first writing this, I'm like, oh, that, that makes sense, right? Because as, as human beings, like, none of us, like, have deep, deep, like, love for people that are egotistical. And as Jesus followers, we're invited into humility as our best response. Humility is how we live. But this shows up strong in Jesus' life because as he's engaging with this woman, in verse 27, just then his disciples come back. And they're, the scripture says they're shocked to find their teacher, their, their, their rabbi. They're shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or what are you doing with her? Why are you talking to her? And this is how it shows up for us. When we begin to step into rooms that we might not agree politically or we, we, it might cost us something of our time or our energy, when we begin to step into spaces to offer up kindness to others, there's always going to be people in your world that are like, what are you up to? You know, who are you trying to prove? You think you're better than, like, there's always going to be people chirping at you calling out your best intentions and your best motives and your best desire to bear fruit as a follower of Jesus. There's always gonna be people that are like, and here's Jesus' disciples, like, they, they didn't have the courage to talk to him directly. Oh man, I could preach a whole message about that, right? I could preach an entire week just on like, why are you gossiping and whispering behind somebody's back? Go and deal with them face to face. But they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus, Behind his back, I'm like, what is he thinking? What? Oh, Jesus, like, how, how dare you, <laughs> right? And so Jesus is this selfless, like, I don't care. My ego, my reputation, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk in kindness. I'm gonna bear this fruit of kindness. Even though it costs me, what, I don't care what you think about me. I'm gonna do it anyways. It's what the Spirit's leading me to do. It's who I long to be. It's the lifestyle of me surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit. If you truly, truly allow Holy Spirit to grow kindness in you, kindness that other people will experience through your life, such kindness has no limits and no bounds in terms of who. It doesn't. And I'm convicted of this on the regular. Last week Sunday, we were walking in uh, downtown, and we had gone to a coffee shop, Nicole and I, and Sunday afternoon, she preached here. I preached at Celebration Church. We had lunch with 
Pastors Joel and Jess Vardy, and then we, we went for a walk, got a coffee, and on our way back to the vehicle, this guy was like, hey man, can you buy me a scone? And I was like, nope, sorry. I've thought about it so many times this week. Because the Holy Spirit instantly showed up. I was like, dude, um, <laughs> you were just at a coffee shop where they sell scones. And then a couple of steps later, Nicole's like, should we buy him a scone? Because sometimes when the Holy Spirit's not enough, your wife steps in. <laughs> and all the wives said, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> and I was still... I, honestly, I was, I was tired. I was weary. I just wanted to go home and take a nap. And I didn't buy that guy a scone. And that's a miss for me. Because a few times this week, a few times this week, the Holy Spirit's been like angels unaware, <laughs> right? Who, whoever asks for a cup of water in my name. Like, crap. I suck. <laughs> and then the Spirit's like, hey, son, I see you. I got you. It's okay. Next time. Next time. Next time. Because I want to have a, rep a reputation for showing warm-hearted, considerate, gentle, sympathetic, and humane behavior, not just to a few select people, not to a specific demographic of people, not to people where it's convenient or easy, but it's gonna cost me. It's gonna cost time, energy. It's gonna cost me my opinions and my politics. It's gonna cost me my ego, my reputation. To whomever the Spirit leads you to give kindness to, to whomever, are you truly free in how you're giving away kindness? I loved Pastor Bennett's connection with joy to like the good news of Jesus is for everyone. The good news of Christ is for everybody. And that's my fourth and final thought. Kingdom kindness will always advance the mission of Jesus. Always. Even if you can't see it. But in John 4, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. And I want you to know, a few minutes ago, Jesus is like, hey, Where's your husband? She's like, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, actually, that's true. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with now, you're not even married to him. And then they have this conversation about life in, in the spirit and life in the Messiah. And then she runs to the village where she's a social outcast because she's had five husbands and the guy she's with now isn't even her husband. And in that culture, that's kind of like, you know, kind of a thing. And unashamed of her social status, she runs and tells everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so the people came streaming from the village to see Jesus. And I'm blown away by how one gesture of kindness that changes one person's life unlocks the mission of Jesus for everyone. Unlocks the mission of Jesus for the whosoever. Did you know the Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance? Romans 2. Can't you see 
that his kindness is intended to turn us from our sin. It stands to reason that if it's his kindness that leads us to repent, then maybe, just maybe, it's his kindness through us as we bear fruit that leads other people to turn and follow Jesus, that unlocks the mission of Christ for somebody who needs it more than we do. There are already enough people in the world trying to represent the Father with anger and hatred and harsh words and judgmental statements. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us up again that we might bear kindness and live our lives in a way that shows just how good you are. Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5. As we close, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Get rid of all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is how we are invited to live. Ephesians 5, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. The fruit of the Spirit is the lifestyle of those who are filled with and energized by the Holy Spirit of Christ. As I close, um, pull out your smartphones real quick. Pull out your phones. I've never done this before. If you're watching online, grab your smartphone. If you're watching on your smartphone, grab somebody else's. Um, and if you, if you subscribe, if you're an Instagram user, I want you to go on Instagram. And uh, I'm like, what, in church? Pastor John was asking us to go onto social media in the middle of a service. Has he lost his mind? No, but like, if you follow me, John Ozanting, I'm not asking for more followers, but like I just, <laughs> this morning, this morning, early this morning, I, I posted four memes, four memes. And if you follow me on social media, um, they're on my story, and, and it's my most recent post. If you follow me on, on Facebook or Instagram, and if you can, just take a look at those four memes for me real quick. Because it's this idea of the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruit of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit is often trumpeted in church as like the end goal. Give me the gifts. I want the gifts. Give me the gifts of the Spirit. We come to church, why? Because I want a word from somebody, or I want a miracle from somebody, or I want, I want something from somebody. And we chase after the gifts of the Spirit so often in our walk with Jesus. There's four memes there. Take a look at them. Josh Howerton, a pastor from the U.S., his quote simply this, fruit of the Spirit is greater than gifts of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is greater than gifts of the Spirit. It's important to note that Jesus' kind gesture to this woman at the well still had him confronting the sin in her life. Crazy. The Messiah still pokes the bear in his kindness. Go and get your husband. I don't have one. And he's like, you're right, you don't have one, for you've had five, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Sir, you must be a prophet. Jesus' kindness, the fruit, unlocked this word of knowledge, gift, about her. Something that only a loving father could know about her. Something that only a good God could know about his daughter to draw her into reconciliation, draw her into relationship, draw her in back to life. And if you've relegated your Christian experience to showing up in gatherings like this to chase after the gifts, can I just remind you that bearing fruit is greater than 
chasing after gifts. And as we bear fruit, fruit that remains, so often we find ourselves in encounters with others where it unlocks the spiritual gifts in people's lives. In verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. In his kindness, he confronted my very core, and I will follow him for the rest of my days. In his kindness, he saw me and loved me and made space for me, called me out of darkness, and so I will follow this Messiah. Come, follow him with me. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay. So he stayed two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to this woman, this social outcast, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard from him ourselves. Now we know that he's indeed the savior of the world. Did you know that kingdom kindness will always move the mission of Jesus forward? You never know how people taste and see how good God is through the kindness that you offer up. Kindness when it costs you your time. Kindness when you're weary. Kindness when you're frustrated. Kindness when you disagree on things and opinions and politics. Time, energy, ego, reputation. We set it all aside and say, Holy Spirit, come. I want to bear kindness as your daughter. I want to bear kindness as your son. Today's big question, do we have a reputation for showing warm-hearted, considerate, gentle, sympathetic, humane behavior to others? In other words, are we truly free in how we're living out kindness in the world around us? Can I encourage you this week to ask God's spirit to refresh what it means for you to be a little bit more kind? When it costs you your time, when you're tired, when it costs you your opinions and your politics and your ego and your reputation, can you remember, as I allow others to eat this fruit in my life, it unlocks the mission of Jesus in theirs. It unlocks the purpose of the Father in their life. That we would be a people who bear the fruit of kindness. And as your pastor, I want to repent for my miss last week. And I want to remind you that it's not about being perfect. It's about inviting the Spirit to help you see, help you learn, help you grow. Can we pray? Father, we honor you. We honor the gift of salvation at work in our lives. Already here in this room, you've, you've whispered your hope and whispered your grace and whispered your forgiveness to the heart of somebody who believed that they were too far gone. Somebody watching online today was just reminded that God knows you and sees you and calls you by name. The work of being made free rests entirely on Jesus' shoulders, on his sacrifice. And that sacrifice was already paid in full. He restored your relationship with God the Father. He resolved all of the tension and the conflict of your sin nature. It's for freedom that he's made you free. And all you're responsible for in the presence of an almighty God, all you're responsible for is how will you respond. 
Will you step into freedom today? Will you invite the Spirit to lead your life and to produce this kind of fruit in you as you begin to live on mission for Jesus? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, tenderhearted, gracious, gentle, warm. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you your life. And that's a price worth giving. Jesus made it possible for us to know the Father. Good God. A loving God. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so it's on us to invite the Spirit to coach us, nudge us in how we live. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.